0: Welcome to Awkwardly Cool on a Saturday. My name is Andrew. Glad you could join the show, the first ever podcast episode of Awkwardly Cool, where we discuss all things MBA. Glad you could join the show. And I'm new to this, so don't mind me for a few mistakes here and there. I'm learning, but as I become more consistent in this, Oh get good. Now, on to the show. We're going to start with the NBA MVP debate. And unfortunately, with the Joel Embiid injury, well, there are two ways to look at it. First, you can say it's unfortunate, but at the same time, his injury. While unfortunate to him, as well as the 76ers, and we all hope that he's healthy, especially in times for in time for the playoffs, which will make things a lot more exciting. As far as the MVP debate, Joel Embiid was sort of starting to run away with it. I mean, LeBron was in the conversation. James Harden was in the conversation. The Bucks were starting to pick things up. Nikolai Jokic has had historically good stats and his team has been playing pretty well, but combination of stats and record wise, Joel Embiid was the MVP. But since he's gone down the, and since he's likely going to be out for at least a couple of weeks, now things have gotten really interesting. Well, you come out what, with just a day ago, LeBron is talking about and not LeBron necessarily. Sorry, this was Kyle Kuzma who mentioned that the NBA MVP award is sort of a political type of award and which is the reason why LeBron doesn't have what 8 to 10 MVPs. I get that and I going to preface this, and I think it should be known that I am a huge LeBron James fan, a huge LeBron James fan, maybe not to the level of someone like a Nick Wright, but a huge LeBron James fan. But something I like to say about LeBron fans is that we are all fairly objective at the same time. And me being objective, objective, I think it's important to mention that while LeBron maybe has been the best player, for the past 10 years, what, since the 2000, honestly, it, it, he's probably been the best player longer than that. You could make an argument since the, what, Oh eight, oh nine season. Yeah, me, he, he's likely been the best player. And some people would argue before then, in the 06, 07 series, uh, NBA season, when he had that, ridiculous run in the playoffs and had that crazy scoring run against the Pistons. Everybody knows about that, but strictly for NBA MVP awards, while LeBron has a great case because he has had good regular seasons where LeBron makes his money and why we call him a star Is not necessarily for the regular season the past few years. It's been the playoffs. Because look at it like this Giannis won the MVP in 2009 last year and in 2019. Well, the Bucks had one of the best records in the league, won 60 plus games, and his stats were phenomenal. While LeBron was good last year, I mean, he had another star right beside him with Anthony Davis. And the year before, of course, in the 2019 season, he was injured. Now, James Harden in the 2018 season as well. Again, James Harden had a great season. The team was really good. And don't forget, that was the year that they took a... An excellent Warriors team to seven games. He was really good that year. And as good as LeBron was that year, unfortunately, that Cavaliers team was nowhere near th- that level. I mean, they made it to the finals. But they had an awful defense and their record. I mean, they won 50 plus games, but compared that to the Rockets who won 60 plus games with James Harden and Chris Paul, they were phenomenal. Now, Russell Westbrook in the year before in the 2017 season is interesting because their team's record was not that good at all. His team, and I'm looking it up right now. I believe they were six in the, in the NBA standings that year. Six, which was good, but yeah, six in the Western Conference. Good, but not great. But here's the thing to remember that was his first triple double ever, and the first triple double season that has been done, I believe, since Oscar Robertson. I mean, when you put up historic stats on a middling team that no one expected to do anything. Because remember, this was also the year right after Kevin Durant left as well. Kevin Durant moved on to the Golden State Warriors, so nobody expected anything from that team. Yet they were, yet they were still able to pl- play incredibly well with Russell Westbrook at the helm, and again he put up historical stats. That was and. I think it's also important to mention, I'm saying and a lot. It was not, I don't want to say an aster, asterisk. It was an aberration that normally doesn't happen. It's normally the best player on the best team. And the year before that, and the year before that, Steph Curry in 2016, 2015, 2016, LeBron had no argument. 2015, Again, LeBron really had no argument. That Golden State Warriors team was really good. Again, won 60-plus games when nobody expected them to do anywhere near that well. As good as LeBron was, he did not deserve it over Steph Curry that year. That Warriors team won 67 games. 67 games. Now, looking at it this year, he has a better chance with Embiid being out because more than likely Embiid is going to miss quite a few games with his injury. And it will just make it hard for him to catch up. He could, but it just lowers his chances. Now, let's look at the top teams in the West. Utah's at number one. Nobody considers any of their players MVP candidates. Actually, no one really even respects the team. So that's out. Uh, Of course, the Lakers are currently second right now. LeBron James deservedly an MVP candidate. It works. Phoenix Suns. Chris Paul. I've heard people making arguments for Chris Paul. (sighs) I love Chris Paul as a player. I love him as a player. He is nowhere near the MVP. He is nowhere near in the MVP conversation. He just has not been putting up the numbers. And if you look at his on off stats, they're not great either. He doesn't belong there. Look now. Let's look at the Los Angeles Clippers. Again, good team. Kawhi has missed too many games. He's putting up good stats, but missed too many games. Nobody's even really considering them. Portland Trailblazers and Denver Nuggets are tied for fifth, by the way. Which is really interesting. By the way, they're playing tonight as this is being recorded on a fr- on a Friday. So we'll, we'll see what happens with both games there. Nuggets currently down to the Bulls. Again, with, with the Nuggets, as good as Jokic has been, as great as Jokic has been, when you look at some of his box plus minus, PIPM, EPM, box plus minus, I mentioned box plus minus, uh, any of these advanced stats, th- these total, The stats that, you know, are supposed to define the the play overall, these overall stats. He's number one in most of them. I didn't even I didn't even mention uh, Raptor as well. Again, he's, he's at the top. But the problem is his record just isn't good enough. It happened with Russell Westbrook that one year. But no one is also going to give the benefit of the doubt to Jokic not having a lot of talent around him. When he has Jamal Murray, he's played really well. uh, Michael Porter Jr., who's been good good as well. And as historic as the stats have been, they're not quite as eye-popping as having the first triple-double in a long time, basically, fairly or unfairly. Unfortunately, that's just the way it is moving out. the So moving out the West out of all those teams, I would say LeBron would have it. But let's move to the East. In regards to the Brooklyn Nets. James Harden and the Nets have been playing really well. They did just lose to the magic with Harden not having a great game. But at the same time, overall, he's been playing really well. And the Brooklyn Nets have been playing well as a whole. So they're a team to watch out for. But I would say LeBron has it over Harden at this point. 76ers, again, Embiid is injured. If if the season were to end today or even a week from now, Embiid would probably win it. But... I mean, we have a whole second half of the season left, so that's not likely going to be the case. Uh, The Milwaukee Bucks. Interestingly enough, I'd say Giannis is probably his biggest challenger at this point. Giannis is probably his biggest challenger. But if he were to win, that would be three straight MVPs, which, hmm. As far as who's done it, I know that Larry Bird has done it. It's just something that normally hasn't been done. And I apologize for not having this off the top of my head. But again, it is something that's not normally done. And I know with the lack of postseason success he's had the past few years, NBA media wouldn't necessarily want to vote for him. But the Bucks' record currently stands at 26 and 14, compared to the Lakers' record of 28 and 13. They cont- Bucks continue to win games. Giannis continues to put up really good stats. It will be hard to say no. And then after that, the Miami Heat, 22 19 record, not great. Jimmy Butler has been playing phenomenal, but I mean, same problem as Embiid. Just with a even smaller sample size where he just hasn't played enough games. So it's LeBron's to lose this year. The only real challenger to him at this point is likely Giannis. So we'll see where it goes. More than likely, LeBron may end up winning his f- fifth NBA MVP. Even so, that does not mean he deserved way more. If he were to win it this year, the Lakers potentially staying within top two or three seed in the West with no other challengers coming up, and again, the main challenger is likely going to be honest at this point. Then he'll win it, but we'll see what happens. And speaking of the Bucks, they just made an interesting trade, acquiring PJ Tucker. I'm interested to see how this trade ends up working out. As far as PJ Tucker is a good player. Solid solid player. He wasn't really that good with the Rockets at all. But he's proven to be able to provide solid defense and solid three-point shooting from the corner. My only thing with this trade is... As good as P.J. Tucker is, I don't know how much he tr- helps th- this Bucks team specifically in the playoffs. The biggest challengers I see to this Bucks team in the playoffs are the 76ers, of course, being healthy. The Heat, yes, the Heat, who beat them last year, and the Nets. And the thing I worry so much about with this team is the lack of true perimeter shot create, creation. Chris Middleton is a good shooter. He's not necessarily that reliable down the stretch. Drew holiday is really good as well. But again, I don't, he's either smaller player who can you really trust him to provide shot creation In those moments. Now, Giannis had a really good game against the 76ers in their latest matchup where he actually showed some potential shot creation in clutch moments, beating a 76ers team in a close game in overtime. Again, it it did not, Joel Embiid did not play. So, again, it's like, how, how do they play against a fully healthy 76ers team? But at the same time, I can't deny he looked really good. And if Giannis shows that version of himself in the playoffs, I think they could be an incredibly dangerous team. But, again... Against the 76ers, I'll say this. I think it's likely going to be a toss up against the. Let's say against the heat again, I, I think that it could be a toss up. I could see the heat making another move right before the trade deadline, find a buyout candidate who helps them even more. Either way. Jimmy Butler and the combination of that shooting around him, as they showed last year, and with Eric Spoelstra, that coaching, and we'll get to coaching in a in a little bit. It matters in the playoffs. It all matters. Now the Bucks have been showing, and give credit to Mike Budenholzer, a lot more of a willingness to adjust their adjust their scheme as far as you're seeing a lot more switching instead of the standard drop coverage that they play they they've tried tried different things in clutch situations whether it's giving the ball to Giannis in certain situations giving the ball to Drew just trying different different things being experimental and it's all about experimentation for coaches I mean you saw uh, the success nick nurse had against the, the warriors in the playoffs uh, just a couple couple of years ago i'm doing a, trying a box and one where you normally don't see that in the nba as far as really leaning in on these zone defenses and now zone defenses are more Popular among coaches overall because you had a coach willing to experiment and it was able to work. Just provide an offense a different look. It's a lot more common nowadays, and the fact that Mike Budenholzer is showing that willingness to experiment can mean really well for, for the Bucks moving forward in the playoffs. Now we'll see how long it lasts, but again, the fact that he's doing it now. Helps them. Against the Nets, unfortunately, I don't see any of these teams beating a fully healthy Nets team. I mean, we've seen how good the Nets look with just James Harden and Kyrie Irving at the realm. And Kevin Durant is out. So I feel like many people are forgetting how good Kevin Durant truly is. I mean, this is essentially a seven footer that can shoot all over the floor for you. And when he comes on the floor, he's their best player. No questions about it. I just mentioned in the previous segment, James Harden being an MVP candidate, and he's not even their best player. Star power matters immensely in the playoffs, which is why you have a Lakers team last year who, even though they don't have great three point shooting in the NBA sh- three point shooting era combination of LeBron James and Anthony Davis, it augments all the other players around you and helps them play better. I don't see this Bucks team beating fully healthy Nets team, but Again, PJ Tucker helps. He does help. He doesn't hurt them. And you can throw a lineup out there in the clutch of Giannis at center, which which is attractive. PJ Tucker, Chris Middleton, and who knows? Dante DiVincenzo, Honaton, whoever else you want to put out there, and Drew Holiday. Those four guys, though, Drew Holiday. Milton, Giannis, and Tucker, those four guys are a defensive stalwart and it'll make them tough to beat, which is what they want. So this is why we play the game and we'll see what happens. Now, I went into a, a little bit on the previous segment, but I wanted to discuss, man, coaching in the NBA truly does matter. I mean, look at it. The T Wolves, their record still hasn't been great since the hiring of Chris Finch. They've only been three and seven. I'm looking at their score right now against the Suns. Oh, shoot. They're being the Suns by one. So who knows? They might be four and seven afterwards. We'll see what happens. Oh, and Bulls currently tied with the Nuggets. Anyway. We'll see what happens, but they're playing much better. Anthony Edwards looks like a different player under Chris French. And again, I mean, he's coming in on short notice. So how much of his system has he really had a chance to install? Yet again, they're playing a lot better. Nate McMillan coming in for Lori Pierce. They've been 7-0. The Hawks have been 7-0 since joining. Not sure if they've had too much of a schematic change. I mean, considering Nate McMillan was an assistant coach, but players seem to like playing for him better. Certain things have been adjusted in the rotation. Players like uh, Nathan Knight have had more playing time as well. It all matters. It all matters. And it's one of those things where coaching matters a lot more than people think. And less in certain cases, because I think it's important to mention the NBA is a league because it's basketball where it's five on five. There are a lot less people on the court in general, even though it is a team sport. Players are a lot less reliant on their teammates than in a sport like the NFL, where players as a, where individual players are a lot less valuable just because there are more players on the field. It's as simple as that. And coaching matters a little more, where coaching is probably more valuable than even the players relatively speaking, in the NFL. Now, I mean, people have had the, the debate about that with Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, Tom Brady being able to leave the Patriots, Patriots not having success, and Tom Brady having success with the Bucks. Isn't this proof that players matter more in the NFL? No, because that Buccaneers team is extremely talented and as great as Bill Belichick is as a coach, he was not working any type of magic with that Patriots roster. I am sorry. He was not doing anything with that roster. It's it's but it's it's one of those it's one of those things where it it, it all matters, but Again, you don't want to go overboard because I remember certain topics as far as, oh, the Celtics in 2018, there were debates as far as who's more valuable to the Celtics, Jason Tatum or Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens is a phenomenal coach. Hasn't looked as good, especially with how things have gone this year, but he's still a really good coach. That debate should have never taken place, and people see how stupid it was to even have that debate and I don't want to call it anything stupid. let's just say it was misguided, caught up in the mo the moment A phenomenal coach, good coach uh Nick nurse coming in, coming in for Dwayne Casey. In the case of the Raptors, it made a difference, but they probably don't make it that far without Kawhi Leonard. And for the Celtics, unless they Jason Tatum and or Jalen Brown takes another step or they add a legitimate player, there's only so far coaching can take them. Again, it all matters. Steve Curry coming in for Mark Mark Jackson and was able to win with Steph Curry. But again, that also came in with Steph Curry also just becoming a better player overall. I mean, he just became a much better player. He was good. He was good, but he was just getting into his prime. And sometimes it's not coaching. I mean, Jokic has been playing... With uh Mike Malone under Mike Malone for a while now, but you see with the numbers he's putting up now, it's like, oh shoot, Jokic is really in his prime now, it all matters. And I I think the point I just want to make is while coaching does matter, it is not necessarily everything, but if a team is underperforming relative to their talent, sometimes people are too quick to point at the players on the team and they're like, Hey, could this coaching be a little bit better? And I'm sort of looking at the Pelicans. I don't want to be too quick to get Van Gunny out, out of there. Cause I, I like him overall as a person, but they've been disappointing. They have been incredibly disappointing, but hopefully they're able to step up from there. But anyway, we'll see what happens. Appreciate y'all listening to the first episode of awkwardly cool. Going to keep this going, going to try to come out with an episode per week. Thank you all for listening And hope you all take care. Peace.